What up, what up, what up, what up? Happy September, everyone. September 2020. What is going on? We are in the last quarter of the year. Since when? You know what's interesting about 2020 is I feel like it... I know a lot of people have been like, oh my gosh, 2020 has felt like the longest and shortest year of our lives. And I know, I don't know, the older I get, the more I'm just like, life is life is like, life is life. And um, yeah, that was a very profound statement. Do you know what I mean? Are you picking up what I'm putting down in that? I think it's just as an adult, it's just like, honestly, one day at a time, as cliche and forced as that sounds, it's, it really is that, you know, Corona or not. And especially as artists, I think, for me anyway, I've kind of been taken aback by how not phased I have been about quarantine. In some ways, the extrovert in me has been um, freaking out a little bit. But in terms of the artist in me, I'm like, this is just life, not knowing where money's coming from or what exactly life is going to look like in like two to six months is that's the artist way shout out to julia cameron not because there's uncertainty but just because there's a brilliant book called the artist way hello this is in rehearsal i am your host misha maseka my incredible intelligent really really entertaining co-host heather gallipo is clearly not here because um you have not heard her speak but she will be gracing us with her presence and her voice very very soon so shout out to you heather if you are new welcome hello new listeners this is a podcast where we discuss process over product or performance we love to nerd out about creativity we love to nerd out about the center margin theory you know lovingly coined by bell hooks Um, We love to keep on discussing and dive deeper into what is good art, what makes good art, why is there a center, why has it been the center for so long? I mean, the easy answer is white supremacy, Um, but, uh, you know, I digress, or do I? Um, Yeah, and today we are talking to Luke Tellier, a theater educator, an incredible actor, um, an all-around amazing guy and it was just such a joy to get to um, dive deep into his story growing up in Jackfish Lake which is a tiny little town we kind of bond over you know what boredom has done to foster our creativity Um, as kids we talk about queerness Romeo and Juliet has seemed to be coming up a lot you know in Sabrina's episode there was another episode last season where just Romeo and Juliet Shakespeare man and uh we talk about so much and he is so eloquent so articulate really just says so many profound things so effortlessly um and yeah I just thought it was such a fitting way to kick off um this season two while we're here we made it And, uh, you know, it's just so on brand for in rehearsal. Um, I had a wonderful time talking to Luke. So without further ado, here is Luke Tellier. Play. To engage in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. Play. To take part in. Play. A dramatic work for the stage. 
Play is joy. Play is community. Play is performance. Boredom. The state of feeling bored. Boredom. The state of the world. Boredom. An opportunity to create and reflect and renew and play. In boredom and play, we find joy, creativity, and community. Actor Luke Tellier grew up in a small community of Jackfish Lake, Alberta, spending hours in discovering the opportunity rural Alberta had for him in the state of boredom. Fortunately, his parents kept him busy, enrolling him in many extracurriculars, including theater. And the life of play began. I grew up on a lake 45 minutes west of Edmonton, but I, I was an indoor kid. Like I wanted to stay inside and read scripts and dissect mm. them and read them again and read them with the cast recording playing. <laughs> like if my brothers and I were like packing for a road trip, they'd be like packing all of their like video games and like Game Boy cartridges and all of that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm going to need like four binders because if I want to be reading Into the Woods, I will need to have the score on hand as well to contrast like, so what is written in the book? What is written in uh, the score? How does it land on the cast recording? Like, where does that all change? I, I could not be stopped. Like there was, there was nothing, nothing that could have stopped me from doing all of that work. So, so I think being kind of alone in it meant that I was really left to my own devices to to do all the learning and and critiquing mm. and I, I think I like pretty early on started started asking some big questions about like comparing different productions of things that I'd find and like so why does if the script says this or the script doesn't say that it's set here but every production is set here like who started that trend where does that come from how come people aren't reinventing this show um, at like 10 years old because I was alone I kind of like I started directing things in my head really young, but I had no wow. idea. Um, but I look back on like books and journals and scripts and everything that are still in like my childhood bedroom. And I look at them and I'm just like, oh, this is staging. Like I, I started like blocking diagrams just because I was trying to piece this puzzle together. I had nothing to prove. I had it was not for any kind of gain. I was just like, this is fun. This is really cool. And so it kept me busy. And I think it's like, it really sparked like an important part of my brain that has, I've never been able to shut it off. And I simply refuse to. You said this to me, that you're a, you are a city kid at heart. So what about the city, you know, as a kid enticed you so much? People, there were people yeah. there who knew the same things that I knew and knew more mm. things than I knew. And that was big. Like also as a queer kid growing up, in a rural, yeah. like, I don't know, there were like 300 kids in my school that was like K to nine. Um, and I mean, you went to a very small school as well, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I'd done, you know, two or three years of, of children's theater at that point. But then yeah. when I was suddenly working with adults on stage, I was just like, oh my goodness. Like there are people who do this. These are adults. Um, this can, this is their job. This can be my job. This is my job right now. Holy smokes. What is happening? Yeah. I spent, uh, the better part of my like junior high and high school career on the highway between like our place at Jackfish Lake to the rehearsal in St. Albert. Um, 
back and forth. We had rehearsals four days a week. And I was like, as soon as I got my driver's license, my parents like never saw me again. I was like, okay, I have some plays to make. Good day. Um, and disappeared. And I'm very grateful for that. And also like, there's huge, huge privilege in that, that I, that I acknowledge that like, that was, you know, even just like growing up on the lake and having the ability to commute to and from this rural community to, um, to the city to, to do theater. And like, I had teachers who drove me before I could, like before I had my license. Um, and I would stay at my grandma's place. Like I just had the, a really strong network of people that ensured that it was possible. Um, yeah. so I, I sure it, it kind of like the, the pursuit was, was an individual thing, but it really took a team for the actual yeah. like, execution of to it. the village. Yeah, sure did. So your um, your Tony speech is going to just be <laughs> listing. <laughs> yes, thank you to Mr. McDonald for driving me down the highway. <laughs> Thanks, just... Grandma, for putting the lasagna in the oven. <laughs> like, truly. Just names and names and names. To breathe on a stage, what a gift to live life. To be on a stage. Oh, what woes and strife. For so long, the life of a performing artist has become synonymous with struggle and constant battling of identity. The trope of the tortured artist stays tried and true, even in current times with the relentless consumption and critique of celebrities in their personal lives. For actors whose lives and bodies are constantly being used to produce, present, and perform art, I would assume it would be a difficult journey to discover and maintain a true identity. Luke talks of the importance of separation and the key to staying sustainable in the business. I think because I am like really aware of the technical requirements of performance, um, that that kind of, you know, that keeps me like patting my head while I also rub my tummy. Like I'm not just like focusing on on one thing. I think there's, I think you can run into a lot of problems, both like mentally and technically, if if you only move through through the piece emotionally. Um, I think that's really dangerous, both for yeah yourself who has to cope with all of these emotions that, as you said, like your body doesn't know the difference between mine and my character's emotions. Um, but it can be really dangerous for your scene partners and and the crew backstage if you are just like if you are convinced that you are Romeo and this is life or death like dangereux my friends like that's that's bad news bears you need to you need assistance um, because those are some like really dire circumstances and that's why we go to the theater so we can see them in a in a safe place um, and and if we conflate the two it's just like things things get dangerous and I've seen that happen too and like um it's really easy to slip into that with like fight choreography or like intimacy choreography instead of working with fight choreography let's say working with a dialect like if you don't know how to get rid of that dialect like you're just gonna you're gonna lose your sense of self and and your sense of self is the thing that will get you through the business um on a practical side but also like on an artistic side um one of the like most complex things that I was like ever told by a director that really blew my mind um, is he was like, so what's the value of actors? Why, 
why do we need actors if we have um, if we're doing uh, this play by this playwright uh, and you're in my production I'm directing it you're wearing somebody else's costumes uh, and you're under somebody else's lights what what do we need and I was like oh well you need me because who's gonna play the character and he was like oh well the writing does it like the character is it's all in there why don't we just read it and we kind of yeah we got into discussion of like no the thing that we need is you we need you mm. to do it and if we want to see a different version of the character we can hire somebody else for it but we need you for this production right. um, and so yeah being able to know who you are and and separate you from the character um in a funny way like kind of helps you live the character more truthfully because yeah. because you only know your own experiences those are the only things you can very truthfully bring to the stage um and if that's that's not to say that i can only play characters of, who grew up at jackfish lake and became actors in edmonton like currently i would be there there are no roles that have those requirements but <laughs> you you have to write it yeah exactly and i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think there's something really important in there about like you have to you have to know yourself to be able to shed it and you have to know yeah. yourself to be able to tap into the the truthful things that you do know that are also important to this character um and it's hard <laughs> yeah take notes kids yeah you hear that you hear challenge accepted that's what i thought so so true so so true because there's something so freeing about just being so grounded in who you are and then lending that to there's so much to um and give to the art mm -hmm. that is asking you of whatever it is that it's asking of you. Being a whole human, kids. Yeah. Being a whole human. It's hard. We're still working <laughs> at it. It's a work in progress. How, we are in of, rehearsal. Speaking of that, <laughs> yeah. um, how, how has that been in this time, being a whole human? How, uh, what, what are you doing to keep your humanity? Oh, I love you. Um, <laughs> uh, I love you for two reasons. One... This is very fun, too. Um, the question insinuates the fact that I have stayed a whole human, which I hope is true. And so I love that very thought on its own. Um, I'm like, I'm really, really embracing stillness right now. Um, I am a major supportive of universal basic income. And we have a little taste of that right now with the old CERB. And it's just been really satisfying to be able to pause um but to like harvest like it's not like yeah. i'm just comatose in my apartment like i'm you know back to back to little luke at the lake like i'm just reading scripts and making plans and dreaming big and i don't think we're afforded a lot of that time because normally if i'm not in a show it means i'm picking up a job somewhere else or um not still not focusing on on my art which is the thing that i'm here to do so so being able to harvest without worry is beautiful yeah that is so are we twins what's going on so I we're twins oh my god it's also happy belated birthday to you right i know we're like almost twins when's your birthday yeah, june thank you june 10th 10th that was yeah. my due date i'm the ninth <laughs> 
Good gracious. Who is who, I ask you? (laughs) No, as you were saying that, I was like nodding emphatically because I'm like 100%. My initial reaction to kind of all of this was like a sigh of relief in some ways. I was like, finally, time to pause and like, yeah, exactly as you said, like harvest and kind of like, wait, I have all of this time to just like delve in and like hang out with the muse and just ask it like what we're going to do today. I, I totally hear you on that. Yeah. I also got a Nutribullet. Uh, um, that's really nice just- <laughs> with <laughs> staying human. Like I'm really, the amount of spinach you can fit in a Nutribullet, like you get a lot of really essential vitamins with one delicious smoothie, let me tell you. <laughs> Specificity of a story created by marginalized artists can often be seen as delusional or poorly made. For where is the home for a story or project that is free from the restrictions and dehumanizing notions of the center? What business does someone have presenting something not digestible to the masses? And yet, as the world continues to evolve and evaluate where we are and what has gotten us to this place, that perception has begun to shift and be exposed. In Canada, more and more artists continue to take up and create space on the margins, proudly in process and no desire to plead for approval from the center. In Edmonton, where Luke resides and does the bulk of his work, Theatre companies like Tiny Bear Jaws and Kill Your Television are committed to producing work outside of the center. So, is this delusion or is this freedom? Like for me in theatre, what makes what makes good theatre is kind of what I said before about like you have to bring yourself to it. Um, and I think think kind of like the commercial theater model is less appealing to me because it's more in the world of like we build a track and we slide a person into it as soon as one person calls out and if you are um, playing Elphaba you will be playing Elphaba exactly like the past ones have um, with like a little bit of room for wiggle room but I think that's also why it thrives is that if you hire the right people um, you can slot them into that track and they will make it personal in their very subtle ways and it will just like create that electricity. Um, so I think for me, like in Canadian theater, which is largely less commercial, I think like the shows that really rock for me are the shows where I get to see the actual like nuances of performers' brains like shining through in the work. And yeah, you know what? I've seen like remounts of shows where I'm just like, you're hitting your mark and you're not Mm. connected and I'm bored. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're in an amazing production. And this thing, I was going to name drop, but I'm not. Because that is shady. (laughs) Anyway, carry on. Yeah. I'll cut it out. I'll cut it out. Yeah. Uh, Oh, we love you. Um, (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, But like there are, if you see a tired production and that can it doesn't even have to be a remount like it can be a a show that's just open and it's only running for three weeks but if they're tired and they're not connected um and they're just hitting their marks and saying their words like that's that's really boring and that goes back to exactly what that director told me before about like you have to bring yourself um like 
it's interesting like theater performers i feel like they don't have a rivalry necessarily but they i think there is a judgment towards like improv um which fascinates me to no end because i think a lot of like uh, performers who normally do scripted work are just like, oh, why are they just get to make it up and people love it? And I'm just like, yeah, but why do people love it? What's like, mm. you you would be a fool to not at, at least ask yourself the question of why is this thing working? Um, and for me, I think, you know, the secret sauce of that is just that we get to watch people think and mm. and we get to watch them react in real time. And so I think the more we're able to pump that into our theatrical process with scripted work, um, which is not to say we should be improvising and making up lines, but but the more you can actually train yourself to be listening to things for the first time and responding, it, it's a game. You, you have to use yeah. the words that are given to you, but you have to respond as if you're saying them for the first time. Like that's a really cool, it must be looked at as an improv game if you ask me. Um, and then that's where really exciting discoveries come from and connections and and new beats in shows and and suddenly you know the audience is like weeping because they're watching this character discover this heartbreaking news for the first time um i during this pandemic have watched i kid you not three seasons and counting of shark tank i (laughs) love shark tank so much this is related this is gonna be important um i'm ready because like it's amazing to me that these people like their pitches are about 12 minutes long like all told from like beat one to you have a deal or you do not have a deal um the speed with which i cry when watching shark tank is amazing because if they are telling a real personal story about why they are doing this and they start crying i'm I'm up ship without a paddle. Like, I'm just weeping. And I think it's because, again, like, I'm watching them, like, realize it for the first time. And it's it's not new information for them. They know their story about why they're here. But as yeah. they tell it and think about it and breathe as they tell the sharks for the first time, it's really personal. And that, like, it's such a relatable experience and we have the opportunity to do that eight times a week in the theater if you're doing it right. And again, like you have to stick to the script. You have to stick to the blocking. There's that that kind of creativity does not exist for actors necessarily, um, particularly once the show is open. But but if you're able to tap into that really exciting feeling of like just like breathe, think about the words that you're about to say. How do they affect you? Like that mm-hmm. is the sweet spot. That's that's the thing that's why we do it that's why it's more exciting to me than movies can be because um even if it's a stunning performance in a film that maybe they went through the exact same steps that i just described we're seeing a recreation of it it's not happening in real time and Mm -hmm. they're not in the same room as you and to watch somebody do that like oh it's just my favorite thing i love doing it i'm gonna be an actor (laughs) (laughs) when i grow up i want to be an actor Representation matters, a phrase we have heard countless times over recent years. Perhaps to dig deeper, we must keep asking the question, why does it? 
What significance is held in our own reflection? What significance is held in the reflections others hold up to us? Is this what representation is? And for so long, how has representation been only one very narrow view? Luke talks of his journey into discovering his queerness and how it informs his approach to creativity. Having queerness as a part of my identity is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Mm. Um, and when we talk about representation, there was none. Like, right. maybe when I started, when I was like in my teens, I would see like over the top, like stereotypical. Very flamboyant. Yes, like on a sitcom or whatever. Um, but in terms of like representation, like there wasn't even anything to base my trajectory off of nothing um, that I was exposed to anyway. Um, so I think the thing that has like saved my life in a lot of ways is like the fact that I didn't see myself represented back. And so that gave me full agency to reinvent. I was wow. just like, okay, cool. I do not see myself here. Um, so what, will my draft look like and I mean the parallel that runs next to this kid growing up at the lake who was in love with theater is huge of just like well there's nothing out here what am I going to do um I'm going to make it happen <laughs> is what I'm going to do yeah um and it's the same with with kind of like a with the queer identity of just like I you know as a teenager didn't have I had one maybe two like queer role models um, but I wasn't out at the time, not even to myself. So right. I didn't know that they were my, I, I knew that they were a queer role model, but I didn't know that, that I was queer. Um, or oh, I hadn't like really grappled with that. Um, which is also like so terrible. Like, God, tell your kids that queer people exist. Like yeah. you gotta open that door because it's just going to be, they will have to bang it down at some point. So give them the keys, please. Um, but, but there was something really exciting that I, I didn't really land on until kind of like out of theater school, like at 21 or 22, where I was just like, oh, okay. So this narrative of like, you go to high school, you go to college, you probably, well, you start working in your field, um, uh, making a salary and you probably get married within five, six years, mm -hmm. buy a house, have kids. We are now 10 years out of school. So I've not done those things. I've... <laughs> um, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Here we are. Um, <laughs> and, but I think that's really important. Like I, I saw that the patterns were not working for me. Mm. And so I got to pivot. And I, I'm really happy with my life. And I'm happy um, that I was given the opportunities to to be myself and, and, and live authentically. And by that, I mean, I'm not working in a field that I'm not passionate about. Like I'm, yeah. I'm doing the thing that I love. And <laughs> there's a book that I've not read called the queer art of failure. Um, mm -hmm. it is en route to my home as we speak, um, from glass bookshop, which is an excellent Edmonton queer bookstore. They support tons of, uh, marginalized authors. Um, and a lot of them are queer 
and we love Glass Bookshop, and they deliver for free in Edmonton. And so anyway, Career to Failure is on its way. And um, from what I understand, <laughs> uh, having not read it, is it's, it's largely about like how queerness is not just related to a sexual identity, um, mm-hmm. but about to a mental identity, about I do things differently. Um, I don't fit within the mold. And that, that part of queerness to me is like my favorite thing ever. It was in the last year that I started identifying as queer instead of gay, um, mm-hmm. which like for me personally, and I would never project this onto another human, but for me, um, the word gay means like cis person is attracted to another cis person of the same gender. But but for me, the identity portion, like the, the fact that I'm gay is kind of irrelevant. For me as a person, like I identify as queer. For, for me in my heart, I know that that means I just do shit differently. I'm not gonna fit within a pattern or a mold. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cultivate my own way. How do you think that has informed your your creative journey, your creativity? Hugely, like um, the theater industry is really like rigorous and um, old, old fashioned, um, and that's boring to me. So <laughs> um, I have great respect for the huge institutions that I've worked for and and currently work for um but I also like I love doing my own stuff and like working with smaller companies and like like big shout out to Tiny Bear Jaws um and Kill Your Television like the standards for these companies are the same as the institutions but the content and the process is entirely different and it's queered right up and Mm. I'm I'm a subscriber to that. What makes this age-old tale be told and retold every day, year after year? Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare is a tale that seems to have forever existed in the zeitgeist, with countless actors embodying the roles and the tragedy. And 425 years after its original perceived premiere, Luke had the opportunity to portray the role of Juliet in a queer adaptation of the play through the theater company Kill Your Television. He talks of the challenge and lesson of playing Juliet and the florid heroicism he discovered in the youthful passion of the story. It was it was interesting and like hard and so beautiful to play a role that was so close to home. Like in the adaptation, like it was these these kids who picked up a script and started to analyze it and and started to see themselves. And I was just like, oh, I understand what that's like. <laughs> like I learned how important it is to 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 stop and think and breathe through the words. Of course, you know, with, with practice, you can speed that up. Like it, it's not, I, I didn't just plow through the text and <laughs> roll around in it necessarily. Yeah. I did it during rehearsal um, and was able to kind of pick it up and 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 make it fly I I I think I hope um and it was it was a really touching experience um I also like I have such a deep passion for Romeo and Juliet because they get such a bad rap because everybody's just like these stupid children are making mistakes and I'm just like yes but they are children like they are 14 they're that's so young they are going What's to screw so this up. What's so compelling about the story. Yes. Yeah. And like they move 
from their guts. Like they're just like, this is the thing I have to do. They're hugely mm-hmm. misguided. So I'm looking to you parents and role models in Romeo and Juliet. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think they're heroes in terms of like, they see the thing that they need and it is life and death, death for them. And um, that is so inspiring to me. So to be able to like really tap into that, I don't know. I, I, I just think they're so heroic and flawed and um, you can be both. Yeah, here's like a funny anecdote about the producing side of that show is we um, found out very late in the game that we had not received any funding. Like the producers were really upfront and very clear with us. They were just like, please walk if you cannot do this. Like this, we understand how hard this show is going to be. Um, so if, if this is no longer appealing to you because we don't have funding, by all means, you may go. Don't worry about us. And, you know, by that point, I was also, like, pretty much off book for the show. <laughs> like, I, um, like, I'd worked very hard on it for, for a couple months. Um, and I called up the guys who were doing the show, and I was, like, like, the other actors. And I was just, like, can we do it? What do you think? And they were, like, yeah, we're in. Like, and they were in a similar wow. place of, like, we've done the work. Like, you can't just walk into day one of Shakespeare and, and not have prepped for it. So we were, like, I was, like nipples deep in Juliet's text at that point <laughs> so I hate you um, for that nipples deep that is hilarious <laughs> so yeah it was like because of that everything about it was done with love and care like it was it was like we are essentially volunteering our time and hearts to be in this we're going to take care of each other we're going to have fun uh we're not going to push each other too hard and we're going to make a damn good show and and I think we did. And the silver, beautiful silver lining in that is that we received funding after the fact. So we'd like close the show. I'd moved on to my next gig. And then I suddenly got this wow. email being like, yo, the check's in the mail. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Lord on high, bless this day. Like, I thank you very much. Um, I had pretty much before that I'd lost money on the show because I bought hot dogs for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, great, wow. I'm, I've gone from negative $6.71 to a few more dollars and I'm very grateful. Um, <laughs> so, but I think it, it's really interesting that like, there's something beautiful about the fact that, um, I mean, talk about how like in, in rehearsal, like affects the, pr- the product, like process is everything. If you ask me, you will not create a good product if people are stressed and upset during the process um so we got to work on this really stressful show where we were doing like it was four actors doing all of Romeo and Juliet um so we were stressed, and it was again like it was a heavy hitter emotionally for all of us um Mm -hmm. um and so the fact that we were able to approach that process with nothing but like big like heart eyes for each other um and to take care of each other and laugh so hard every day while we built this tragedy um it was amazing like it was it was a total thrill what do we lose on our way to adulthood play to engage in activity for enjoyment and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose Play, to take part in. Play, a dramatic work for the stage, 
Play is joy. Play is community. Play is performance. Play is empathy. As a theater educator, Luke discusses the importance of arts education, what it has taught him, and how it will save the world. Uh, kids are fearless. Kids, especially when when we create an environment for them in which they can play, yeah, they just go full tilt. Um, they raise the bar for what it means to be committed to something, and that gets lost as adults, I find, um, especially when we get kind of slotted into the industry. It's, mm -hmm. it's really easy to... Uh, to treat it exclusively as a business, which you you must treat it like a business if you're going to survive, but you also must play. Like we're doing plays, P-L-A-Y, plays. Um, yeah. So um, creating environments for kids in which I meet, like, um, yeah, creating environments where they feel free to ask questions and make mistakes is like so important. There's a there's so much culture around like having to know things and being yeah. smart and remembering I don't know everything from this book or I don't know I, that's never worked for me. Um, and I think there's really ex I, I think theater is like the most exciting thing that you can teach kids. And I, I do think it will save the world because we, we get to practice empathy. Like we get to ask kids like, okay, so if you're playing this character, why does this character feel that way? Mm -hmm. And then they get to ask those questions about their classmates in their head. And they, when they grow up, they get to ask those questions about their parents. Why does my, why do my parents act this way? What's their background? Um, and those are, those are skills and they need, you need to practice them. Um, and you get better at them the more you do it. So, so the opportunity to, to play with kids and to, to teach them. I, I love, I love when kids enroll in theater classes because they think they're going to learn about how to memorize lines and mm -hmm. about how to sing really nicely and about how to do this Shakespeare speech in three breaths, <laughs> um, which um, they do. Those are the things, those are things that we learn. Don't do Shakespeare speeches in three breaths. That, that was a bad example. Um, but um, but they, they come in thinking that they're gonna, that they're only gonna learn the skills of theater. Um, and what they actually learn is like empathy, collaboration, teamwork, um, and the, the brilliant thing about being able to do that at a level pre-post-secondary <laughs> um, is, is that no matter what field they decide to go into, they carry those skills with them. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, to, to be able to teach that collaboration to somebody who maybe wants to go into like business or teaching or dentistry, um, those skills of being able to relate to others, to listen to others, 
and value their opinions and believe them. Mm -hmm. um, that's everything. That's the world. That's what we're here for. And you don't need to be an actor to do those things. Um, I think training in, to be an actor and, and using theater as, as a jumping off point for education um, cultivates those skills. And, yeah. and they stick with you because, because those skills can become old habit. And I think they have for me. And I'm so grateful for that. Like the fact that it's old habit to, to meet somebody and just believe them and accept them. And until I'm given a reason otherwise to be like, this person is corrupt or whatever, like, um, this person is trash. Yes. Um, then, you know, it's important to listen and to that evidence and, you know, cite your sources, know what you're talking about. But like, um, but to meet people with curiosity and, and accept their words and actions as clues to where they've come from and to where they might go is amazing. Like, what a beautiful mystery. Yeah. And that almost comes like full circle back to you know the beginning of our conversation a little bit how you were talking about just even knowing yourself enough to like give to your character creatively what are you currently giving yourself permission to do mm. great question <sighs> creatively i am giving myself permission to not work i think the the need the great need for reflection right now um, on how our world works or does not work mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. is very important. So I'm giving myself permission right now to not look towards advancing, but look, look towards looking at what I have and breaking it apart and um, taking with me the things that will continue to serve and, and leave behind the things that don't. Hmm. So good. And lastly, what would you tell your 15-year-old self? You can do it. You can do it, man. Keep going. Get back to the books, you nerd. <laughs> go, go look at cute boys. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Here we are. At the end of episode one, season two, I feel like I want to break out into song. Um, did any of you guys watch the kids television program, Bear in the Big Blue House? I'm older than when that show would have been on, but my little sister, that was her jam. And I just remember there being like that song at the end that was like, goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. And the bear was like singing with the moon. Anyone? No? I'm alone in this? Well, that's awkward. Uh, Luke, thank you for dropping the gems, for just sprinkling the gems. Um, I loved, loved, loved that conversation so much um, when we were doing it and it was so funny because we literally tried for six months trying to get ourselves together and um, I think the way and the timing that it happened was just right and um, he's incredible so shout out to you Luke and thank you for coming on and just sharing your story and your thoughts and your process um, 
I know I appreciated it. Uh, so, you know, if you're new, if you're not already following us, what are you doing? Head on over to at in rehearsal podcast on IG. You can find this where you're listening clearly because you're listening. So SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify uh, is where we can be found. We just started a Facebook page. So go and follow us there. Happy days until you hear from me and Heather next time. I am Misha Maseka and the dull to be pencil to my sharpener is Misha Maseka. This has been in rehearsal. Bye.